Good morning, y'all. I hope you can hear me well. My voice is still returning from about with COVID a couple weeks ago. So if it breaks or sounds like a prepubescent teen, I'm sorry about that. And uh, it's a combination of COVID and the nerves and uh, all of that. Tim asked me if uh, I would fill in for him today. He said he'd be watching. Uh, so, <clears throat> hello to everyone here and hello to all who are online. Uh, let me know if I get outside of the box um, as I move around. Figured the elders wanted to keep things consistent with a bald guy in glasses, just maybe a little younger, smarter, and better looking. <laughs> so. Hey, Tim. <laughs> uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for the avenue that we have to you and your throne through your son, Jesus. Please be with my nerves, be with the things I've prepared today, that all of this will glorify you and that uh, we'll keep it interesting. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is a little significant for me. I have waited 37 years to get this opportunity to speak to you. I wanted to from the day I became a Christian at sunrise. I kept wanting to while it was Tampa Bay Church of Christ. And after we merged, I still wanted to. And the opportunity just uh, never really presented itself to preach to you. As you know, I've done a whole lot of other things in front of you over the years as teacher, counselor, mentor. I've officiated your kids' weddings. I've done eulogies for your parents. I've been a singer. I've been a roommate. Uh, and I've been a preacher elsewhere. But today, I get to do it here, and I am uh, really excited. It, it truly is a bucket list. And some very wise men back in 1985 like Ron and Jimmy and them said, you might need to wait a little while. <laughs> uh, so, here I am. Today is also my dad's 93rd birthday. So, I lost him last year about this time on the 13th. We actually, or the family got to celebrate his birthday um, last year and then a few days later because of COVID, he died. So, I'm sure he's proud of me. Let's get into this. All right. The topic, obviously, is prayer. I am probably the last person you should think of on the topic of prayer. Um, I'm not one of those people that you're going to read about in your Bible who says or writes or displays incredibly eloquent prayers in private or in public. Um, I'm a little more working class than that. <laughs> and I'm going to have two big points today. I know preachers are supposed to have three, but I'm trying to keep it <laughs> to two. There'll be some sub points. The number one thing that I want you to remember as we go away from this is in prayer, if you're doing it, you're doing it right. Because I think that we've given up on praying and praying frequently because we don't feel like 
we sound like David in a psalm when we pray, or that we haven't carved out hours of time in quiet to pray correctly, whatever that's supposed to mean, right? And I think we get discouraged, as we do in all things. You know, those two top things that Christians say, if you could do more in your life, what would it be? I would pray more, I would read my Bible more. I think that's common to all of us. But if you're doing it, you're doing it right. And we'll get into a lot more detail about that. The other sub-point is we need to question if something is truly in keeping with God's will, and we need to add action and a plan to our prayers, because I think therein lies a big part of the problem. We might remember to pray, and we might remember to put it up there before God, but then it just kind of fades into the ethereal, right? There's not, a, there's not an action. There's not a plan behind what it was that you were just praying about. And that's only going to last so long. You're, you're going to kind of burn out. So <clears throat> the young adult apex group, whatever we want to call it these days, um, just finished last semester on uh, using this, this book that I picked a lot of my points from. Philip Yancey wrote this some time ago, and it's a book, a study guide, a DVD, and I will say this, I have taken two or three prior classes on prayer in, as my Christian walk, and all of them, for the most part, were meh. I, I didn't get that much out of it at the time. That could have been me. I wasn't ready to hear some of that material or whatever, um, but to me it was kind of boring. I mean, the, the topic was boring, <laughs> and when they asked me to talk on it, I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Let's see if I can keep you all awake for you know, 30 minutes here. Um, but I will tell you this. This was absolutely fascinating. The way it was presented, Philip Yancey is a talent uh, just by himself and all the books that he's written and, and things, but... This particular topic and the way that he approached it, I, I, will, I will encourage you to um, do that or, or have a class if someone else wants to leave that going, going forward. Good stuff. All right. So, prayer, how, where, when, how often, how long, what about, who about. There are over 385 specific prayer citations in your NIV Bible there are hundreds more on the topic of prayer as it relates, okay? It doesn't specifically say prayer, but it's what they're doing in there. And I, I can't cover all that ground today. I mean, it, it's just a ton. If you think the Bible is silent on prayer, you're not reading it. I'd like to focus, though, on this one aspect, pray continuously. Rennell, did you and I get together before this? No. So see, the Holy Spirit is at work today already. He brought this up. And a whole bunch of people told me last night via text and calls and stuff, Keith, we're praying for you. Very cool. Because <laughs> as I went to sleep last night around midnight, you could probably visibly see my chest beating 
I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, am I going to get five minutes of sleep tonight? And all of a sudden, I fell asleep. And I woke up a little earlier than my alarm, but I, I slept good. By the time I got up here, a lot less nervous than I certainly thought I was going to be, and a lot less nervous than I was when I laid down in bed last night. So the Spirit is at work already through praying continuously. If you don't think I've been praying continuously, <laughs> I'm, I'm an example. So this comes from 1 Thessalonians, right? I'm not going to present to you any, uh, any new scriptures today. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A lot of superlatives there. But I don't think it's hyperbole. And I don't think it's a suggestion. But I will ask, what does that look like? Do you know anyone, including yourself, who looks and acts like that? Regularly, perhaps? That's tough. It comes right out of the gate. Rejoice always. (laughs) Well, I just blew it, right? (laughs) Pray continuously. About what? I got things to do. Give thanks in all circumstances. (sighs) I'd be here all day. But I don't think that that was meant by accident. But we'll come back to that. There's a little more to this equation. There's a caveat. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will and your prayers go hand in hand. But there's a word there that I think think I have not paid a whole lot of attention to in the past, testing God's will as it relates to prayer and my living my life in front of God and with God as we're walking along. The other thing that's mentioned there was pattern. So what's the pattern of the world? What's the pattern of your world? I've kind of listed these in what I thought were a a pretty decent order um, of priority that most of us, I think, would give. You might shuffle it around a little bit, but work, education, your family responsibilities, your habits, your hobbies, your chores around the house, serving others, and church involvement. You notice where church involvement and serving others are, right? Compared to all of that other stuff, where does that fall? Because there's only so many hours in a day. We spend far more of our hours dealing with the things that are on that list than prayer. So much so, it's unfair to compare them. Right? Do you know how many hours a day the average American watches TV? 
television? Six is conservative. Now, it may not be directly television, but it may be sources of information that are coming at you now. A lot of things come at us differently than, than just a TV screen, right? You have a computer screen, you have uh, your, your headphones, uh, a, a whole lot of other things that are bombarding your brain that are keeping you focused away from prayer and praying continuously in the Lord. And if we don't learn to conform our life around more prayer and walking in prayer, we're going to be stuck in a rut. And you might find yourself stuck in that rut for years. There's been long periods of my life that have been a rut. <laughs> but your prayers can become bigger than you can ever imagine if you would just start walking in prayer with the Lord. How many of you have heard of this phrase, angle of repose? I expect some of my Apex group to remember that. The angle of repose it relates to um, either like a rock that is set there eroding away and it's just getting ready to maybe one day fall down the hill, but we don't know when that is. It's right there. It's at that angle. At any moment, that could happen. I also like, in, in the definition for that, the imagery of an avalanche because I think it visually makes a little more sense to me. What are my prayers? On the average, I kind of feel like they're snowflakes, that they don't have any weight to them, they're meaningless, they're, as soon as they hit the ground, they're lost in a sea of other stuff, right? But if you keep piling up snowflakes in a particular area, up in the mountains especially, um, things stack up, and when it decides to break, it's an incredible force. So much so, it will absolutely annihilate everything that's in its path, including rocks, trees, houses, people, uh, extreme skiers, all the things that you see when you're watching a video of what happens. Well, I also think our prayers are very much like that. If I would remember that each of those little snowflakes of prayers are constantly being put before the Father on a particular subject with a particular purpose and a particular action in mind, it might just stack up to mean something. And if we're doing that together on a particular issue of prayer... I really think that amazing things can happen. I know that amazing things can happen. I've watched that happen here at Bay Area Church of Christ before on this topic of prayer as we've prayed as a group. And you probably remember some of those. But whether it's by yourself, constantly 
praying and walking and discerning what it is that God wants you to do in his will with your prayer, and you're doing it with some others too, amazing things can happen. You have been gifted very uniquely to make a difference with your prayers. I know a lot of you probably don't feel very gifted. And I know a lot of you are probably searching for that thing that you're supposed to be good at most of the time. Some of us have found those things and others of us need some help in digging that out. We have people who are here at Bay Area who have money. They can fund things that need to get done. And they willingly give generously, anonymously, quietly, with purpose. They made it a part of their giving that they beforehand had prayed about that, that it would have an impact and a meaning to it. We have people with brains. <laughs> There's a, there are a ton of people in here who are really, really smart and, and a lot smarter than me. When we get to talking about certain topics, I can glaze over in a heartbeat because I'm like, oh my goodness, why did I go down this path? <laughs> You're really, really smart. That's a unique gift to you to be used for God's glory and in prayer, in making a difference. There are people who can plan with purpose. I'm going to pick on one of my best buddies. Gio Ruiz is one of the absolute best planners I have ever met on the planet. And I mean the inside of work, outside of work, church, it doesn't matter. He, if I think of somebody who can plan and put something together, it's Gio Ruiz. And he's mine. He's in my group. <laughs> he's not only in my group, he's one of my best friends who I can call at any time, and he usually answers me. Um, and uh, it's amazing. And I see why he has risen in his company to, to, to where he is today. He's talented like that. And when we use people like that to help those of us who can't plan like that, Incredible things can happen with our prayers, with a purpose in God's will. Serving others with purpose. This church is probably one of the most serving that I've been able to witness in my Christian walk. I'm kind of limited. I didn't, I didn't grow up in the church um, and I've only kind of traveled around and visited other churches in a, it, my experience level in churches of Christ, nation and worldwide, are a bit limited. But what I have seen and where I have been, I will propose to you, we are a congregation of prayer and of servants. But when you're serving, are you serving with a purpose? You don't have to all the time. Or you don't think you, you have to. But if you are going to serve and you are prayerful about it, and what is the purpose behind my doing this? I think your serving is going to go to another level. I believe the angle of repose in your life as you serve will begin to make a difference 
in a way that you see and are encouraged by, and certainly the people that are around you that know what's going on. How are you gifted to make a difference with your prayers? God, don't you care about what is your pet thing? What's on your mind right now? What's the big thing in your life right now that you bring before the Father that you would like to know? Are you listening? (laughs) Do you care? Yeah, Keith, I do. What are you doing about it in my name? God always cares about the things that touch our heart too. You see, that's how we were made. In whose image? His image. So things that are on your heart are on his heart too. Believe me. Now, he has a whole lot of other things to worry about, right? But I guarantee you that in his omnipotence, the things that you care about in your life, at the moment, in the future, the things that are going to constantly nag at you in some areas or whatever, they're very, very important to him too. And he uniquely equips each one of us to do something about them with him. That I can guarantee you also. But the truth is, we ultimately want God to take care of the issue himself. So that's the other thing I want you to kind of go away with today. If you're praying, you're doing it right. But the truth is, you ultimately want God to take care of everything himself. Because that's kind of our nature. We'll pray about it and then hope, beyond all hope, that he's just going to do all the work for us. Am I guilty of that? Absolutely. I pray that all the time. Father, I took the time and the effort to pray this prayer to you. I'm handing you this issue, and why haven't you taken care of it already? Do you think that's how he designed that to work? So there's God's will. There's his will through us. There's the Lord's prayer. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, you know what? That's always meant to have involved us. Jesus laid that prayer before his crew and said, here is how you should pray. And it wasn't so that God would do all the work when you just hand him everything. He was equipping those guys to turn the world upside down, and they did. And their work is continuing on, right? And your work is continuing on as an extension of that. God's will on earth has always been with us involved in the equation. And so there's this two parts to our, to our prayer time as we're trying to do this with him. There's that quiet time you spend refueling, if you will. 
you're listening for what God has to say. Hopefully, you're adding literally what he has to say to the voices in your head. And this is also that relationship building time with the Father, just like you have with your coworkers, with your family, with your friends, with your other church members. We don't have those relationships by going in a room with them and sitting down in a very sterile environment and having this, this intense conversation and then getting up and, and not talking to them or, or doing anything else, right? We're talking to them and doing life with them as we're doing everything else, which is where pray continuously comes into this. You see, if Henry and I are talking, it's usually at my house, and there's some sports on in the background, and we're grilling some stuff on the grill on the back porch, and that entire time is filled with us talking to each other, building our relationship with each other, discipling one another, and we're eating together, and we're laughing, and we're, we're going about the rhythm of life together as we're doing this. Do you not think that that's exactly what God wants out of you with our relationship to him? I, I, I can't emphasize how important that is. I think your relationship with him will improve, and I think your prayer time will improve if you'll adopt that. Pray about everything to him all the time, even if it's in the back of your mind. You're running conversations in the back of your mind all the time when you're with these other people, aren't you? <laughs> you know, I would really like to tell you this. You know? <laughs> but you, you know, oh, what was that? You know, please go on. And, you know, our father is not an idiot. Woo! Um, you know, I saw that coming. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. God expects us to live our life in Him, in His will, prayerfully, with purpose, constantly talking to him. I don't know if you do that. I don't know if you've tried that. I bet you do it in every other area of your life with all those other people on that slide, but it's a little different with God. But the more you do it, the more God becomes like them in their importance in your life, and all of a sudden he begins to take on more importance in your life. All of a sudden, you aren't afraid to bring to him certain things. All of a sudden, you might start thinking of ways to impart action to what you're talking to him about. So God, I pray for whoever who has whatever going on. And learning to listen to him say, okay, 
And what might you be uniquely gifted to perhaps glorify me in that situation? If you will start to add that to your constant praying with him and talking with him, I believe some things are going to start to change. Because he's going to answer. You're going to start feeling a prompt of more, well, yeah, I brought it to you, Father, and I guess I'm supposed to try and <laughs> do something about this or be listening for you as to what I'm supposed to be looking for or doing here. You combine that with reading your word, and I think some dynamics are going to start popping before your eyes. And the prayer depends on both parts of those things in interaction. Our quiet time with him and then are praying with the purpose of what are we, what are we going to do together? But if you just do one or the other, if you're constantly just having quiet time, just you and the Lord, you're going to burn out on that. If you constantly try and do everything yourself and not involve him in the equation, you're going to burn out on that. It's both things together. It's father please help mold me, help me walk through this particular situation and know what to do in your will, Father, because I'm not real sure. And then there's one another involved in that. I'll get to that again in a minute, too. So there's two examples that Philip Yancey talks about in being uniquely gifted to take care of something. I don't know how many of you know Bono. I would assume most of you at least know of him. Lead singer of the band U2. Um, I'm a big fan. Uh, Bono, very, especially earlier in his career, all the way up through Joshua Tree, um, very unapologetic just how Christian-focused they were, religious mindset in all of their music and things, and they had incredible crossover appeal because... People don't think of U2 as a Christian group. They think of them as a really good rock group. Um, but if you listen to their lyrics all the way up through Joshua Tree, you might be surprised. But after they became incredibly popular and, and incredibly rich, they were touring in Africa, and there were as many as 12 million children that Bono noticed were affected by the AIDS virus. 12 million. That number was astounding to me when I heard that. But it involved either the kid having AIDS, which was sort of a microcosm to it, but much more about the a parent or both parents having died from the AIDS virus and left them in an orphanage. 12 million. <laughs> That's like if several of our states put together in some cases of children in a specific area with a specific disease. And Bono recalls praying, God, don't you care about all of these children suffering? You ever heard that before from a coworker or whatever? What about all these people out there? Blah, blah, blah. He says, God said, yes, Bono, I do care deeply, and I want you to do something about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> I just prayed it. You're supposed to take care of it, God. What am I going to do? I'm an Irish white guy in Africa. 
rock star. They don't even know what rock and roll is, probably. I want you to do something about it. Where did he have ability to do something about it? Money. Influence. Brains enough to know, who can I go talk to to do something about this? Over, look at that number, $10 billion for the AIDS issue in Africa and beyond was raised just in what has been tied to Bono. Okay, lots of other people have been involved in this effort, but just that. But it went way beyond him saying, God, please take care of this. I can't believe you'd let this happen to, you're right. Get busy. (laughs) What can you do, Bono? The other one was Polesmore Prison. Anyone heard of that prison before? This is where Nelson Mandela was held in South Africa. So the BBC has this special that you, you see at the top there, Polesmore Prison, Killers Don't Cry, Cape Town Life in Prison in 2019. <clears throat> this is a horrifying story on its surface. But Joanna Thomas was motivated to look at this particular prison at this particular time in in space and say there were 279 acts of extreme violence in that prison system in one year, and most of that is rival gangs within the prison that had basically taken the prison over. Even the guards were like, yeah, we're not going to be guards (laughs) for the most part. They guard themselves. They rule this roost on their own. So one gang is automatically expected, if you're going to be in that gang, to stab and try and kill the people in the other gang. (laughs) Joanna prayed, Father, you certainly, this cannot be your will as it is in heaven that this is happening. He said, you're right. You're right, Joanna. So she was gifted with counseling um, and and Christian background, okay? I don't know her whole religious story. Just roll with me on it. (laughs) Um, Everything she approached was from a biblical point of view and Christ, okay? Make no mistake that those two things are there. She began to have group therapies with these rival gangs in the room where Nelson Mandela was held. She wanted the significance to be like, I want you guys to come up here and you're supposed to be killing each other, and I'm this lonely white woman in here, all by myself, unarmed, and let's try this. <laughs> and she begins to do group exercises, Bible studies with them, and you begin to see the facade and the other things begin to break down in these men's lives to the point that one year later, there were two acts of extreme violence in Polesmore Prison. One year. They asked Joanna, the BBC, what do you you think happened? And she's like, well, God was already present in in Polesmore Prison. He just had to make himself visible. But who was the catalyst that God used to do that? Were they doing it on their own? Were the guards helping them formulate these things to have happened? No. The Spirit moved Joanna Thomas 
to put her life on the line and make a difference in this one place. What can you do, she's asking. I don't know. Only what I've been gifted to try. And she went every day for 365 days and did what she could. Does that sound any different than you or me? You show up every day for 365 days doing what you can in prayer, in God's will, and walking with him with an action plan. What might happen? So are there things that are worthy of you praying about with action and with purpose? Let's start with conversations. Remember how I talked about how we talk and we all, we're also talking in our head <laughs> while, while we're conversing with others? What if your prayers go something like this? With your family member or your coworker who you're not exactly on best terms with at that moment in time, you're saying a little prayer to yourself, Father, may the next words that come out of my mouth not meet this person with destruction and tearing down of our relationship and perhaps how they view you because of me calling myself a Christian, but to in encourage them, to put courage in them by the next things that come out of my mouth. That's a real prayer. That's a walking continuously with God kind of prayer. We can all do that. You do not have to be David to do that. But I bet you these situations are happening, aren't they? Does your family ever irk you? Ever? What if you're the kind of the same personality as that person? Then they really irk you. My dad and I were oil and water because we were exactly alike. We just were like, I got your button and I got your button. Ready? Who gets to it first? It, this, this had to come, become very real for me to get a loving relationship with my father eventually. Yeah, I hear about all you stupid Republicans. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to do it. Father, please, I'm not going to do it. 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 Hey, Dad, you want to go work out in your wood shop? You know, you want to show me what you've been working on lately? You know, hey, ha, what about this? You know, Henry was over the other day, one of his best buddies, too. Hey, how about that? Kimmy, I hear her laughter over there. All of a sudden, he'd change. All of a sudden, we're talking about all kinds of other things. All of a sudden, politics wasn't the issue anymore, right? Probably never was. <laughs> you see where I'm going with that? So the last page is always the sticky page, right? <laughs> What about big things? Can you do much about the war in Ukraine? I don't know. 
What about school starting? Can you do much about the anxiety of all the kids that are going to be going back to school this week? All the teachers' anxiety about going back to school this week? Well, it's kind of funny, both in war and in school, there really are no atheists, are there? You talk about being stuck in a foxhole and missiles lining all around your head. I bet you there's some prayer. And what does that prayer sound like in praying continuously? Oh God, 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 please don't let, oh God. Does that prayer make a lick of sense to the Father? Okay, pop quiz. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. I'm a terrible student. (laughs) I'm already one strike behind. What about your purpose in life? Father, I don't really know what my purpose in life is. I'm trying to assess my talents. I don't really have any. Well, where's your discipleship? Where's the person who tells you, you know what you are? You know what you can do? Isn't it obvious? If you don't have that person in your life speaking the word of the Lord through the Holy Spirit to you, you might miss what your talent is. God, I want to diet and exercise more. Well, that'd be nice, Keith. But with what purpose? Well, I want to feel better. I want to look better. Well, that's nice, egotistical idiot. (laughs) But what about meeting people while you're working out? What about trying to get beyond your boundaries of your outreach to the people that you're stuck around all the time who've heard everything you've had to say a half a million times? How about doing that, Keith? Sure, you can go work out with a purpose. Getting out of debt. Maybe I just won't spend this this time. You say that enough times, and I bet eventually you'll be out of debt. Serving the body. What about when the vital concern comes in to your desk or wherever you happen to be at the moment? That, that was my teaching point, vital concern. Every time it would come up at work, it comes to my email, and being the OCD person I am, I have to check the email, right? And I'd see that it's some prayer request. Stop, you have a couple minutes, just say whatever is going on here, and you can get back to work. It's not going to make a lick of difference in your work. But it might make an incredible difference in the life of whoever's begging for a prayer at the moment. Hospitality. Father, you blessed us with this beautiful home and with an incredibly packed freezer and refrigerator. And what are we supposed to do about that? Where did hospitality go even before COVID? Where did it go? I used to get invited over people's houses all the time, inside and outside of the church. And we used to do some of that too, but even we stopped doing a whole lot of that. Where did that go? Was that supposed to have gone away? It's still a qualification for an elder, right? So we're still supposed to be hospitable and not just to members of the church. If the only people you ever invite over to your house are people from here, well, okay, that's a good start, but where's your purpose? 
Is it discipleship? Okay, another good start, another great way to relationship build. But what if the two of you couples ganged up on that one person that you've been trying to reach out to? You think God will bless that? They're in your house eating your food. You get to choose that you get to pray before the meal. You get to choose what you get to talk about. It's your house, right? That you were blessed with. The church is shrinking and aging. Not just at Bay Area. It's across the nation and across the world. The pre-COVID numbers were that there were less than 5% of our brotherhood that were considered to be discipling type churches where they're trying to disciple someone to become a Christian who then teaches someone else how to become a Christian and that discipleship pattern um, going on. Giving and getting discipleship. Father, I would really like to have someone in my life who calls me higher and vice versa. I wonder if God would choose to answer that for you. 25% of our churches are growing in number pre-COVID. 25%. 96% identified themselves as declining. We're declining here. I don't know that you've noticed. We're down to one service, right? And not all these seats are filled. Well, I wonder if that's worthy to be praying about. And when 80% of all new Christians decide to become a Christian before the age of 21, who are we focusing on? Where are we spending our efforts as a congregation? Where are we spending our money as leadership when 80% of people who want to become a Christian decide that before the age of 21? Where's all of our high school kids here? They've, they've pretty much, most of them have graduated. Now we're kind of waiting for some to get into that group, right? Where are all the college kids? They've kind of went away. I, don't, I, I had to rack my brain to even think of any that are here at the moment. Where are they? Where are these people who are ripe to be picked for the kingdom? You know where the other uptick in numbers is? Seniors nearing death. Does it make sense, right? If you're alive and if your brain is still working enough to know, I wonder if I'm not exactly right with God yet. Maybe I should do something about that. Tick, 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 tick. And all of a sudden, they're a little more amenable to learning about the Word of God. Surprise, surprise. So if young and old are the two demographics where we reach out and we're actually making a difference in growing the congregation, where should our efforts be sometimes? But I bet if you pray about it, the people that fall between those two spikes in the numbers, they're still there. And they're still waiting for you to say something and reach out to them and invite them over for dinner and to share a friendship with someone here that you're close to also and getting to know them. You know, I know a whole lot of people who became Christians between those two spikes in numbers because of things like that. 
So listen, if you're praying, you're doing it right. If you're praying, you're doing it right. Keep praying. How much should you keep praying? You pray continuously. Asking and looking for the will of the Father through His Word, through what He tells you. And you have an action plan. Father, this situation is frustrating to me. I don't really know what to do about it, but I'm going to go ahead and, um, well, I'm going to try to do this. Please, Father, if that's your will, open that door, help me with that. I wonder if he would answer that prayer for you. (laughs) That's pretty much all I have. (laughs) I hope that makes a lick of sense. I hope that it's encouraging to you that you can be a prayer warrior without changing and trying to become David in a day. Thank you for all those people who prayed for me while I was doing this. I love all of you. I know each of you has incredible input in my life in a special place. You mostly know me. There's still a whole bunch of you that I don't know yet. Come talk to me. Try not to bite. Let's get to know each other. Let's get to do this together. I love you. Tim, thank you again, brother, for asking me. I hope you're having a good time. Please don't excoriate me on your next sermon. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word and just how clear it is that you want relationship with us. Father, you have moved literally heaven and earth to give us relationship with you. You are mighty. You are omnipotent. Father, you are over the things that are heavy on our hearts that we would like to accomplish. And Father, we beg you, help us connect with you and connect in prayer with you better and more frequently, Father, to accomplish your will here on earth. We ask all of this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.